Hey, this is Nate with Purity for Life. Thanks for joining us again as we continue our latest mini-series, Refined as Silver. We're talking to women who have passed through the fiery trial of a husband's sexual sin. I know, man, the Lord used this stuff so much. He just was plowing me under, and he used Steve to do it. Uh, you know, that's not that doesn't fit in with our fairy tale narrative very well. <laughs> that's not the way it's supposed to be, but that's the reality. It just is. You put two sinners together, and that is what's going to happen. All the junk starts coming out. This week, Kathy Gallagher is back. She'll talk about how crucial it is for a wife to offer her support as her husband is repenting of his sexual sin. Somehow in my youth, I understood that Steve was in the battle of his life. I knew that God got it into me, and I did not want to be one more source of weight to his already weighty battle that he was waging. She'll look at practical things a wife can do and things she should avoid doing, but mainly, you'll hear a lot about becoming like Jesus, the embodiment of selfless love. Thanks for listening. So, Kathy, we've been calling this series Refined as Silver, and in our last show, you really laid out, I think, what are some of the vital issues for wives, because you were calling them to see a much higher purpose in this very difficult situation than any of us would be inclined to do, that this really isn't about even just the marriage, but it's about becoming Christ-like. And a lot of that becoming process happens in the fire of trials. Um, And so I think we want to pick up on some of those themes, because what we're going to talk about today is a lot of what it means to die to our own desires and to become like Jesus in the midst of difficult situations. Speaking from a man's perspective, you know, the Christian walk is a real process. And even when a man has repented of some really big besetting sin, there's still so much in us as men that has to change. We keep on struggling with selfishness and self-centeredness, irresponsibility, indecisiveness, insensitivity. You know, the list just goes on. We're fallen. Mm -hmm. In other words, we as men need a ton of grace and you've got a lot of firsthand experience with offering grace to a very needy man because your husband, Steve, even after he repented, um, things were still really challenging for him in his own Christian life. I want to play a little clip of what he said about his own failings as a husband in those early days. Yeah, I was just <laughs> such a mess. I was so full of myself. I didn't have the wherewithal to consider my wife's needs Mm -hmm. and to think about her and what would make her happy, Mm -hmm. what would be a blessing to her. I was just so out of it. Uh, But I grew in that way, you know, and part of my problem in those early days was that, um, you know, your self-life is just reinforced through pride. Pride and self are just hand in hand. And 
I was constantly going on national radio and television shows, which was just boosting my ego. Right. You know, so that wasn't helping anybody. You know, we had to do it. It was the way the ministry got mm-hmm. started, and the Lord was opening those doors. Um, but things started to change when we moved to Kentucky because <laughs> all that attention and that, that kind of thing started going away. Uh-huh. And then it was just the grind of ministry out here when we began the residential program. Uh, and one day I said something to Kathy, just in passing, I told her I loved her. Hmm. And she, apparently I had <laughs> done something before, but anyway, she said, don't tell me you love me. You don't treat me like you love me. Wow. And it was, we had kind of a, well, it was totally one-sided blow up. She just finally got fed up with my sharp tongue because I was just hard on her. You know, I was demanding, I was intense, and she just exploded that day. But something really happened for us that particular day because uh, I really saw how I was affecting her. Mm. And uh, from that day on, things definitely got better in our marriage. That was 1990. So, Kathy, um, how do you support a husband especially when you see his old man uh, rearing his ugly head in some way? It's, um, it's difficult. And the, the short answer is you just have to learn how to control yourself, but I know I need to give them more than that. So, <laughs> um, you know, so often we operate out of fear and frustration because we've been through so much mm-hmm. already, and we associate our husband's weaknesses or character flaws, whatever you want to call them, like if he's angry or if he's Mm -hmm. short-tempered or just disinterested, whatever, all of those foibles of his personality we associate with his sin. We haven't yet learned in a lot of cases that these are just flesh issues. It's his flesh and not necessarily has anything to do with sexual sin. So we're operating in fear because we're afraid. We see these things popping up in his personality. I know for me, that was like a big deal for me because anytime Steve did anything that was rude or just dismissive of me or just selfish, my immediate reaction was, he's in something. He's oh. do- he's doing something. Because um, I all of his personality quirks to me, in my mind, were parts of his sin, but that's not true. And I just had to learn to really just be patient. I look back on my life and I see so much grace in my life. The Lord helped me to be patient and to not be so self-focused and so fear-based and so struggling with, is he in sin again or not? And all that stuff, because all of that became just another like a tree sprouting up of other issues that we're going to have to both deal with. You know, it takes time. That's the bottom line. It just takes time for him. Even though he has repented, it's going to take time for him to get through a bunch of stuff. It's Mm -hmm. not just sexual sin. That's kind of, in a certain way, the tip of the iceberg. Um, And we need to learn how to just be patient and do our best to love. Yeah. As you're talking, what is striking me is that this process of living with a man who's got real issues, real character flaws, is in itself this refining fire. Mm. <laughs> yeah. 
we have it in our minds. The guy that he was when we were dating is so different than the guy that we're married to now. And coming to grips with that, um, the, the, the disparity and the discrepancies that we see in him is very hard for us, but that's who he is. And letting God use the disappointments that do come with marriage on both sides, but letting those disappointments and those discouragements, rather than turning on our husbands, Lord, what is in me? Look at what's in my heart. Look at the reaction I'm having inside toward this unjust, irreverent, whatever you want to call him, you know, whatever whatever words you can come up with to be accusing him of something that's making you feel bad. You need to really, I did this. I had to question, what is this in me? What is this nasty thing that's in me that wants to retaliate and push back and give him back his own? I know, man, the Lord used this stuff so much. He just was plowing me under and he used Steve to do it. Uh, you know, that doesn't fit in with our fairy tale narrative very well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not the way it's supposed to be, but that's the reality. It just is. You put two sinners together and that is what's going to happen. All the junk starts coming out. Yeah, it's interesting because I think when we think about marriage in uh, Ephesians 5 mm-hmm. language or whatever, mm-hmm. it's a picture of Christ and the church. Mm-hmm. But that's only one picture of what marriage is because it is also this union of two imperfect people Mm -hmm. and God using iron to sharpen iron Mm -hmm. and to create something that's much more like his image. That is what this process is. You are being melted down and the dross will be scraped away. But man, I tell you, none of us wants that. We ask the Lord in prayer. We will ask him, Lord, please refine me. Give me a pure heart. Well, the reality (laughs) of that is a lot of death to self in the early days. I used to pray that prayer all the time. Lord, just have all of me. Do in me everything you want to do in me and just... Yeah, do whatever it takes. Yeah, do whatever it takes. Make me the woman of God you want me to be. Make Steve the man of God you want him to be. But I didn't have a clue what I was actually asking for, but the Lord was faithful to start answering those prayers. Mm. We as women need that to happen in us every bit as much as our husbands do. We may not have been in the same sin, but we still have to go through that process of refining and being purified and made holy. The thing I'd like to focus on in this interview is how to support a man Mm. who is um, struggling in this battle for holiness because one of the things that you see in the Old Testament, very strong picture of what it means to be godlike, hmm. is to bear other people's sins. You know, that's really what Jesus did for yeah. us. He yeah. took our own sins on his shoulders and he bore them up to God so that we could be free. When we do that for people, that is very godlike. Mm-hmm. But that does represent a huge refining process Mm -hmm. for us because we're not naturally like that. I was thinking maybe you could give some practical things that a wife could do um, that would be, you know, active things she could do that would would positively affect him. And maybe we can talk about other things later, things that she can avoid doing that would negatively affect him. Um, 
you've mentioned in the past when we've had conversations about this that you did your best to keep your feelings of fear and suspicion and worry to yourself. Why is that so key when you're trying to support your husband? Well, I think with 40 years under my belt now, <laughs> um, you know, okay, I always feel like I'm defending the husband and kind of on the wife, but that's not my heart. I mm. just know, I know from a lot of experience that he is not strong enough, probably, because of what, if he's truly repentant, he's going through a lot of stuff. True repentance means you're really facing off with yourself. Mm. And you are getting really raw and real with yourself and with God. You have to look inside. You have to look at who you are and what you've done and face it. And it's a huge, it's big. It's a big yeah. thing for yeah. a man. It to, takes a ton of energy. It takes a ton of energy and it takes, you know, quite a bit of courage to do that because what you end up seeing is nasty stuff. You start to see what you have done to other people. It's a lot to bear. So, Somehow in my youth, I I got that. I understood that Steve was in the battle of his life. I knew that, but I don't know how I knew that. I was too young to understand these things and certainly not spiritual at all. But somehow God got it into me and I did not want to be one more source of weight to his already weighty battle that he was waging. And I wasn't going to remind him what he did to me and how deeply I'm hurt. You know, one of the things I wanted to add here, Nate, also was um, I know one of the biggest issues for a lot of women is trust. And it is a, it's enormous. It's like the biggest thing probably. Our radar is so up. And I think that this happens to us naturally. We don't want to get hurt. We don't want to go through this again. Some of these women have kids to deal with. I never had children, but they have children they have to worry about. And they're trying to protect their kids. In a sense, our whole life is hanging in the balance. So there's a lot of insecurity, but there comes a time when we have to rein mm. in our fears and we have to put our trust in the Lord because your husband doesn't have it right now. He doesn't have everything that you need. Um, and it takes time for a repent. I'm talking about a repentant husband now. I'm talking about someone who's really crossed over. It takes time for him to change. It does not happen overnight. It is not like, okay, he did this, he broke, and now everything's good. No, that's not how it goes. There's still a lot of internal junk yeah. to eradicate and deal with and face. And yes, you guys are definitely on the right path. It's awesome. I remember when Steve repented. It was tremendous, but my expectations were off the chart. I just thought, okay, this is wonderful. This is behind us. It wasn't behind us, but we were on a path towards the Lord that gave me so much hope. Yeah. Wow. This is just, this is so helpful because we as human beings have such a limited perspective on things. Mm -hmm. And we oftentimes only see right in the moment. And mm -hmm. it really clouds our ability to discern um the real issues. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so you're bringing to the forefront that it's incredibly helpful to a husband when a wife pushes back on those fears mm -hmm. and doesn't load that fear of failure back onto her husband. Because sometimes, I'm sure a lot of husbands are 
also afraid for themselves. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that they, they're of not going to make it. Yeah, they absolutely are. They're terrified they're not going to make it. Yeah, and then you get this other load of fear mm-hmm. buried on top of you, and it's very disheartening. It's mm-hmm. very discouraging. I know. Um, Steve has told me this before. One of the things that has helped him so much was that I wasn't a drain on him. This is something else I would love to impart to these young women. Just support him. Just believe in him. Get If he has repented, you have no reason to go backward. You have every reason to go forward, but you have to just have the faith, not in your husband, faith in the Lord, and you have to trust in the Lord with all your heart. You can't lean on your own understanding. If you do, you will make mistake after mistake after mistake. You will go with your inclinations. You'll go with your flesh. You'll go with your fear. And that is not what either one of you need. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man, this whole thing is really counterintuitive. Um, so is. <laughs> so is. <laughs> Everything you're saying. Um, another thing I've heard you say, which is totally counterintuitive, is it's incredibly helpful to a husband when a wife is vulnerable with her own struggles. Why is that? One of the things that I have taught and that I think I wanted to have this heart in me, I don't know how well I did it, but but I have definitely taught that if you get yourself into Luke 18 and you start looking at the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector and the dynamic that was going on in that situation of this Pharisee who had it all together, but then you got the slob over on the other side of the temple, just could not hardly even lift up his head to heaven and pleaded with God for mercy. That's the heart that I wanted because I knew that's what I was. And I think that is the crux of vulnerability that a husband would deeply appreciate from his wife because a lot of us wives can be self-righteous and we can we can wave our holiness in front of our husbands and we have words that we use we frame words that without necessarily trying to do this but we're comparing our righteousness to their unrighteousness and that is not what he needs He already feels like a slob. He has so totally blown it. He already sees you as more spiritual than he is. And so to have that rubbed in his face more is not helpful. But if you can get back to the place where you began with Jesus, Mm. and that place is, God be merciful to me, the sinner. And you live in the reality that your sin is just as heinous in God's eyes as your husband's is. And you really wrap yourself around the cross of Jesus Christ where that blood was shed for your sin. And you live in the reality of the power of that forgiveness. That gets communicated if you're living in that yourself. You don't even have to say words. It's just what's coming out of your life as a person. So you can have this conversation with your husband that is rich and it's meaningful because you guys are level. The playing field is level at the cross. You're sinners. You both are. That is the thing that wives need to constantly remind themselves of, that 
I need Jesus just as much as he does. I'm no better. I would have done the same thing under different circumstances, maybe. It's that kind of a heart, the heart of a tax collector. And I know that that level of humility and reality is pleasing to God. And God honors that in a wife. And that is one of the ways that a woman can really be so supportive and helpful to her husband. Yeah, it, um, and that kind of spirit inside clears up so many difficulties, I think, because then you see that person's life through totally different eyes. Yes, you do. I, I don't like using this word because I don't want to be offensive, but it's just self-righteous, just your own goodness, you mm-hmm. know, and that's what we have to be careful of. Regardless of our situation with our husbands, just that mindset, it's almost a statement of, I really don't need the Lord because I'm already good. Mm. Yeah, as we talk about this, I'm just reminded that the whole theme of this series, Refined as Silver, you know, that it's the circumstances in our lives that reveal to us in a greater way what's inside of us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for a wife who is seeing this kind of self-righteous thing rising up in her, this is, in a way, this is God's mercy. It so is. <laughs> it totally is his mercy because it is exposing something in us that is creating distance between us and the Lord. You can talk about being a Christian, but doing Christianity is a lot different. So all the trouble that your husband has brought into your marriage because of his sin, let the Lord use that to expose what's in you. And it does. You see stuff in you you never thought was there. Hmm. I like these little rabbit trails. I know, I'm full of rabbit trails. <laughs> it's my life. Because, yeah, it goes, it goes from some practical things back to the, you know, the real key heart issues. And I hope people aren't missing that in all of this. Hmm. Um, one of the things that I have down here in my notes is that it's really important to praise your husband when he succeeds, even if it's a small thing. Why is that important? This is going to be so much fun. Um, (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I don't know that I actually ever did that. I was just very, very grateful, and I really respected Steve for the (laughs) effort he put into getting right with God while he was fighting. And I think that gratitude showed up in me. Um, It was coming out of me. The, The gratitude and the respect was just... I wasn't saying it. It was just coming out of me. Um, And I'm not the type that would walk up, throw a hug on him and say, honey, I'm so proud of you. That is totally not my style. First of all, I'd never call him honey. He's my dearie. (laughs) So let's just make sure we got that straight. Um, He knew how I felt. It's not like I was saying those things. I was being. Mm. And he absolutely knew I was with him and that I was totally totally on his team. But I never said that. I never used those words. It was my life that described and said to him where I was at. And that's what he needed. So what's in us comes out of us. 
And that's where we have to be very, very careful because there, especially when we're getting very upset inside, there's this like rumbling going on and you want to just let it come out. It will come out of you if you don't open your mouth at all. Yeah. It shows up. So what's in the heart does come out of the mouth, but it also comes out of the life. Yeah, yeah. The looks, mm-hmm. uh, the tone of voice in other circumstances. The coldness. The, right, right. The lack of words. Yeah. Yeah, yep. that kind of thing yep. really speaks volumes to people. Or, you know, I'm I'm thinking too that it just offers so much opportunity for a husband to misread you. You know, I mean, sometimes the things we don't say, we fill in the blanks. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're just trying to interpret what the other person means. Right. And man, it can be really... Oh, that's a mess. That's a mess. That's a very big mess. And you just... Yeah, yeah that really feeds into something that I was thinking about, which is really interesting. I was listening to a sermon by Paul Washer. I don't know, it was probably a month or two ago, and he said something that I thought was fascinating because he was talking about the difference between men and women and what husbands need versus what wives need in relationships. And basically he said, listen, I don't need my wife to send me little notes or texts telling me that she's thinking of me and loves me and I can go a long time without needing that. What I need is for my wife to believe in me. Mm -hmm. If she doesn't believe in me, I'll fall apart. (laughs) And that was really interesting because it resonates with me as, as a man. And I'd like to hear your perspective on that as a wife. Yeah, just hilarious to me that somebody else is saying that. Um, I think I said something like that in my book. Um, your husband does not want to sit around and talk about your emotions and your feelings, and he's he's not your girlfriend. You know, <laughs> he's he's not wired that way. Uh, he doesn't want to talk about feelings and all the gooey stuff. <laughs> I might kind of weird him out. <laughs> it's like, where's she coming from? <laughs> the whole thing of trying to get men to think like a woman, it doesn't work. It's very, very frustrating for both of you because he just, it's like talking to a block. It would be, it would be like that. It would be like talking to a block. And I know a lot of women are listening to this and they're like, oh yeah, I've been there, done that. They are shouting amen. Um, Women's needs are very vastly different than a man's needs. And she's the one who needs all of that emotional stuff. But I think because of the differences in the way men are wired and the way women are wired, that's why there's a lot of strife in marriages. Because as a woman, I think I need him to tell me how awesome I am or how much he loves me. And I just need him to pet me and tell me I'm just his forever. I just need all that stuff. And he's like looking at me like I have two heads. And he doesn't have a point of reference for that because that is not what he needs. He's not wired that way. Men don't, they don't think like that. So there's a lot of problems in marriages because of that dynamic. And I cracked up when I heard Paul Washer saying that because it is so true. Um, He doesn't need a text message. He doesn't need you to put love notes in his lunchbox. (laughs) It doesn't need that stuff. He doesn't operate and think the same way that you operate and think. And Mm. you have to learn. You really do. I had to. You have to learn that he is wired so completely differently than you are and not be offended when he doesn't have the same needs and responses that you have or that he's this ominous ogre brute of a beast 
He's really not. He's operating the way that he was created. Now, obviously, mixed into that is sin issues. Mm-hmm. But I'm just talking about just the way the, the minds are working. The other thing I would like to add into that is if you could get a, a grasp on the differences in temperaments, that helped us so much in the early days of our marriage, just the differences, because me and Steve are opposites. We could not be more opposite if we yes, tried you are. it. We are totally <laughs> opposite. The temperaments thing really helped, and it helped me to understand that what I was misunderstanding about him is just the way he is. It's mm-hmm. his temperament and my temperament because I'm so different than him and female. Right. Those two things, female and a different temperament, man, different temperament, can create so many issues if you don't understand them. But if you understand those things, things start to make more sense mm-hmm. to you. So I encourage you to take some time to try and explore those two different mm-hmm. situations, because they're very helpful in marriage. Yeah, the thing that I'm thinking about as you're talking is that it really is all a matter of the flow of the heart, because if you're coming into this relationship demanding that he meet your needs, most of the time you're going to find out, wow, he can't, yeah. because he's not like me. But if if we come into the marriage thinking, what I want to do is I want to give and learn. You know, because everything you're saying, it's like, wow, this requires real death to self. (gasps) Because usually what we want to do is we want to give to people what we value. That's right. Right? So we think, oh, here's how I can love him by being super emotional and telling him about all my feelings because that's what I want him to do to me. And he's like, "Uh, I didn't ask for all that. I don't even know what to do with all that. Yeah, he does not know what to do with that. <laughs> but if we, you know, if if you as a wife were thinking more in terms of what he values. Um, learn what he values. Learn what he values. Yeah. To give that to him, though, is a real death to self. It is in in a certain way, but <clears throat> okay, if, if you're a taker, then this is, this is yeah, you, oh, right. you will die. <laughs> it will kill you. But if you are more of a giver, you will really enjoy the process of learning how to please him. Hmm. If your heart is, hmm. I want him to be so happy. I want him to get what he needs. If that's your heart, you're going to win. Yeah, You just will. But if you're a taker, and you're always needing your needs met from a guy who's pretty clueless. <laughs> you will be very, very disappointed. The problem with so many marriages, and, and this is true of me too, I came with a list of wants. Right. And I did not come thinking, and I don't think anybody actually gets it right, to be honest with you. I didn't come with a list of how can I bless him? How can I make his life more rich and full? I came, how can he bless my life and yep. make my life more rich and full? And that is the complete, it's a setup for disaster on both people's part, you know, because men do the same thing. A man falls in love with a woman. He falls in love with something in his mind, a body. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, that's not a very good recipe for an enduring relationship. <laughs> yeah. But you both do learn. I mean, if you're walking with the Lord and you are putting Jesus at the very center of your marriage, not as a, an add-on, but if he's the center, you learn how to love mm. because none of us know how to do it right. Not, does anybody that can hear my voice right now say that 
Oh yeah, I got love, it down. Love believes all things. What is it? First yeah. Corinthians thirteen. You know what I'm talking about. Love believes all things, hopes, hopes all, all things, things, endures all things, and it never fails. I don't have that testimony. You know, I want that. Yeah. To be my You're testimony. Yeah. Somebody said to me once. I may have already said this in another podcast, but I got it's worth repeating. After a, a message at one of our conferences several years ago. I can't remember what I was talking about, but this young girl came rushing up to me after the meeting and said, I got to just share this with you because it goes so well with what you just talked about. Someone told me at a camp I went to that marriage is a death march to a life camp. And Mm. I was like, yeah, you got it. That is exactly right. And that is what it is. It's a death march, a death to self. Death to self. Because you, if you're going to do this right, if you're going to love right, if you're going to be the right kind of wife, the right kind of Christian, it's a matter of losing your life in this world, but you're headed to a life camp, and the Zoe life of Jesus Christ becomes yours. His life is being formed in you through all of it, and it's worth it. And mm-hmm. there is joy in the journey. There very much is. Yeah. But there's joy mingled with pain. Oh, we could talk for hours about this stuff because I've had this in my own experience, not as a husband, I'm not married, but I've had this in my own experience where when you set yourself to try to meet the needs of someone else, you find your own needs being met somehow. That's right. It puts in you a spring of satisfaction and contentment mm-hmm. and this grasping yeah. goes away because you're satisfied. And so it's like, man, if all of us could learn, husbands and wives could learn to set themselves to meet the needs of others, it would remove the source of so much conflict. Yeah, that's very, very true. It's a, it's a spiritual principle that is very much active and alive and it's real. I'll tell you this also, we women have the profound privilege, I think, of helping our husbands know how to do that. Because women tend to be more naturally wired to be more givers. Mm-hmm. We're nurturers. Yeah. We nurture, we coddle, we take care of, we wanna, yeah, we want to nurture. It's it's into us. But if you by your life, laying down your life, giving up yourself, giving up your rights, and that again is a process and a journey. But as you do that, you're showing your husband how to do it. And that is a beautiful thing because men are not wired that way. They don't have that nurturing um, side to them. They just tend to be, I know this is going to sound bad. And if I get some flack, I don't blame you for flacking me, (laughs) but (laughs) men, you know, generally and not completely, but they tend to be more takers and women tend to be more on the giver side. So I would just encourage women to really just go for it. Go for the laying down of your life. And and a lot of women I know, all my friends that I know of, they do lay down their lives for their children. You have to. Yeah. If you're going to be a good mom, you're laying down your life. Yeah. But you can cut it off at the husband if you've got issues with him. So I just want to encourage you, don't stop with your kids. In fact, I would say that your husband should be the recipient of all that you have to offer. It's not wrong for you to give yourself to him, even if he's not where he should be. It's the heart of God. God didn't stop 
doing the mercy to us. He came to us while we were yet sinners. We were enemies of God. I'm not saying that we have to do that in the way that God did it, but he is our model and he has shown us how to do this life, how to do relationships. And that is the framework for it. So we got to try and fit into it. It's hard. (laughs) It's just very hard, but I don't have a day of regret, not one day of regret of being a Christian or of being a wife married to a man who was horribly addicted to sexual sin. I don't have one single day. I'm not sorry for any of it. I'm grateful for all of it because of what it did for me with Jesus, how it it brought me to him. All right, that's it for this episode. Next week, we'll talk with Susan Smith about the beauty of submission. And we want to remind you all again about our upcoming annual conference on April 22nd and 23rd in Williamstown, Kentucky. Our theme this year is, When Jesus Returns, What Will He Find? The return of Christ is closer than ever before, and the urgent question remains, what kind of condition will he find his church in when he returns? We'd love to have you join us as we seek God's face so that we might have the strength to stand before him when he comes. You can get all the details about this conference by visiting conference.purelifeministries.org. That's it for this week. We'll see you next time. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.